Hey everyone, I'm Kanal Bajwa. And I'm Lance Jordan. We are two nerds who decided to start a podcast in 2020 due to the pandemic. No topic is necessarily off the table, and we'd like you to join us in hearing our thoughts on various topics, ranging from anime to Zeppelins. We have it all. Here, Here we, we go. go. All right. Uh, Nimesh, today's, pretty, uh, today's a pretty cool guest for, for me today. Lance couldn't make it. He got a hell of a work. But uh, today's guest is Nimesh Patel. A legendary comedian <laughs> discovered by a legendary comedian, Chris Rock, and he has appeared on shows such as Comedy Knockout, Late Night Seth Meyers, and been a writer on SNL. Recently launched a new YouTube show called Zoo Idiots. Please welcome Nimesh Patel. How are you, man? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. Um, I'm good. Thank you. Cool. Cool. So. You talked about your upbringing in Brick City, Newark, New Jersey, being an impressionable time for you on your view of life, as well as an incident of making your grandfather laugh to avoid disciplining you as a child. As a fellow brown kid, I totally understand that. Uh, what was it like growing up in Jersey, and was comedy something you saw yourself doing at a young age? Um, so to clarify, I wasn't, I wasn't raised in Newark, New Jersey. My dad and my mom uh, they lived there for a while, uh, probably like in the when they first landed in the States. I think they lived there for like two or three years. Um, right. And then uh, my mom's family moved to Parsippany, New Jersey. And that's where I was born and raised in Parsippany. I was born in, in a nearby suburb of Parsippany where the hospital was. And then I was raised in, in Parsippany, New Jersey. Um, and so like that, it was like a sort of, it was a very, I mean, I don't remember much about... Uh, uh, growing up in suburbia beyond it being growing up in suburbia. I just remember thinking, you know, there's mad Indian people around because Parsippany was like at that point becoming or was at the beginning of becoming Edison 2.0. And right now it's like, yeah, there's mad Indian people. But uh, growing up, the most formative stuff as I look back now was uh, in terms of reflecting on comedy and my comedy in general is that I was surrounded by Indian people. And so I never felt the need subconsciously or consciously to constantly talk about being Indian because I grew up, you know, my high school class of like, I don't even remember how many Patels even, it was like 20 or something Patels in my high school graduating class. So, so it was all like, uh, we were, so Indian was just like a thing to me. It wasn't like, oh my God, that's the, I'm the only Indian person here. Like I got, this is my identity. It was more just like, it was almost the opposite. It was like, I'm going to, I'm an Indian guy, but so was everyone else. I gotta be, I gotta be, uh, uh, different. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Um, and then, uh, uh, but yeah, I, the Indian stuff of like being disciplined by my grandparents, like that was, that was normal for everyone. I think, um, I didn't know at an early age, I didn't know at an early age that comedy was something you could do necessarily even without, even before, thinking of something I wanted to do. I didn't even know it was a thing you could do. You know, you just, you know, you watch comedy on TV. I would watch the Cosby show and watch stand up with my uh, grandpa now and then um, just because it was on. And I would watch like Dana Carvey because I had somehow flicked onto Comedy Central. I had watched Chris Rock because, you know, you hear his name and then he's on HBO. Right. But it wasn't anything I was like uh, uh, actively pursuing. It just kind of just happened. Um, and, and, you know, uh, uh, 
that that influence of comedy was just there because everyone I was surrounded by so many people like I grew up with 16 first cousins and we were all just like laughing and, and making fun all the time um and that that that's probably more influential than any specific comedian or, or comedy event you know gotcha 16 cousins 16 first cousins yeah and then like a bunch of cousins that were like second cousins or like my my dad's cousin or my like yeah my dad's cousin so technically my uncle but you know my age so you know we call him a cousin you know like that kind of yeah shit. no i know what you mean like i have yeah. second cousins we i call my niece and nephews and just it's easier yeah yeah, yeah. so it's like it, that was that was how i grew up yeah damn patel's definitely be smashing oh um, yeah yeah we be smashing i, I thought uh, punjabis were smashing but like good god no but it's a race it's an arms race <laughs> <laughs> so far you're winning um yes, sir uh so i so i read that chris rock patrice o'neill larry david were some of your influences mm -hmm. uh is still is that still the case is there anyone else kind of added to the list or well i mean you know when i say influences like chris and patrice definitely uh influenced me and stuff i want to talk about you know what i mean like there's gotcha. like uh uh areas of comedy that like uh I gravitate towards and that's like commentary on society and, and human beings in general. Um, and, and that was like really their influence. Larry is influential in the sense like I, I really appreciate, I don't know if she's seen, there's a, I don't know if he did a documentary or something, but there was something where he just, he's told, he's talked about as a guy that would just go on stage and think he's better than the audience. Yes. And I definitely, uh, uh, look to embody that sensibility um, and, and beyond that like he's obviously you know one of the greatest comedy writers of all time yeah. uh, having co-created Seinfeld right and then EP'd and, and written some of the best episodes and you know Curb is his own fucking beast so in that sense like that's how Larry kind of influences me and, and now it's more just like uh uh the things like Dave and Chris continue to talk about are probably things I've talked about in my, in my career trajectory. Like I I've always seen myself as more of a social commentator rather than a personal comedian who looks inward and stuff. And so that is that, that influence will remain throughout. Um, and then, you know, uh, Chris and Dave are also very dynamic performers and I've definitely, uh, uh, looked to them to see like okay these are like elements of like just the performance aspect i was like i gotta i i personally have to enhance my ability to perform i think everyone should be getting better at everything that stand-up requires of them totally um and whether that means like pacing around on stage or like being really emphatic or like uh uh adding different intonations and and inflections in one's voice like that that's all stuff like i've absorbed not only from chris and dave but from like everyone that i uh, look up to and, and admire um, while still maintaining my own sort of personal sense of, of who I am as a comedian. And that's just like, that's just like the evolution of, uh, of craft, my comedy. Yeah. yeah. But it's never, it's never been conscious. It's never been like, I'm going to do that. You know what I mean? It's always just like, Oh, okay, that's cool. Like, I think I have that within me. Um, and that is like an element to the game or my game that, I definitely want to enhance it's kind of way like basketball players study other basketball players and be like, right. okay, that's a, that's an interesting move. Like how do I apply that technique to a skill set that I already have or that I'm developing, you know? Right. 
just basically working on instinct and kind of going from there. Definitely. Exactly. Just enhancing yeah. the craft is probably like, that's probably been my goal for the last, uh, definitely since quarantine, but uh, yeah. since before that, just like, I got to get better at things that I'm bad at and performing is probably my weakest aspect. And so that's something I definitely want to get a lot better at. Really? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't get me wrong. I, I think I'm a very good stand-up comedian, uh, and I think my yeah, writing is. I would agree with that statement. Yeah, uh, I think my writing is probably better than you know ninety percent of the people doing comedy today, but um, excluding nobody. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, when it comes to like enhancing the skills that take you to the next, there's another gear. My friend Mookie, who I co-created Zoo Idiots right, with, yeah. um, uh, you guys told seem me really, this. really good friends, by the way. What's that? You guys seem like really good friends whenever I see interviews with you guys. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's, that's my guy. But, uh, you know, he told me at one point over the summer when we were working on voicing uh, the characters for the show that there's another gear in my stand-up, which is adding a, a lot. Like, I'm very different on stage uh, uh, and I, uh, than I am goofy and, and in person with, like, people I'm closest with. And I've been trying to close that gap um, ever since, you know, probably like uh, since I started, but more and more consciously now. Um, And and as I was working on voicing uh, the tiger, I voiced the tiger in the show in Zoo Idiots. Yeah. As I was becoming a better voice performer, I was like understanding that it takes, I got to add that element to my stand up because right now probably the biggest note of my performance is that it can be one note whereas it it, it can like if you're paying attention it's not but you know if you're like most comedy fans you're like almost superficially listening to what's going on sure uh and if that's the case then it can seem like oh man this is just one note his jokes are his jokes and and it just goes like that And, and but the jokes are so strong that if you're listening like you will understand that oh shit this is fucking fantastic comedy but if i can enhance that then i will uh uh work on doing that and that's what i'm doing gotcha that's pretty dope man um uh just as like a since since you're talking about writing i'm a big snl fan so i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your time there and yeah sure what was Uh, and everything yeah, I mean, so I got I got brought on by Che, um, you know, uh, Michael in, Che. Yeah, in the summer of 2017. Cool. And I was I was writer on Weekend Update for that season, season 43. Uh, my wow. first episode was with Jay Z and Ryan Gosling, which was fucking <laughs> bananas. Um, you know, it was like a, an in, incredible place to work. You know, just to walk those hollow grounds and and be a part of that lore. Have my photo up in the writers' room. That's uh, awesome. Uh, which so is cool. cool. Um, and hopefully it stays there forever, but, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it was an intense place to work. Um, I, everyone I've, heard, there is, I've heard everyone there is super smart and super funny and it's still uh, run like everyone's on cocaine essentially. No, 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 no. It's definitely, it's, it's, de- so, I mean, I, I don't know if everyone's on cocaine, but, uh, uh no, I mean like in terms of like how it started in the seventies or like the, the writing hours would go like four in the morning. Oh, I mean, I mean, on, so on the update side, it's a bit different because you know, okay. the writing team is a bit small. It's like five of us or six of us. So it's more um, compartmentalized that way. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Okay. And then there's some overlap at, at like the higher level between the, the higher level update writers and the, um uh the sketch writing team um 
but you know, our hours are a little different only because they were more dictated by what Che and Jost were doing. Sure. And uh, uh, because there wasn't as much production involvement, you know, like we didn't have to design sets or build sets or anything like that. Gotcha. And so our, our most intense days were like Friday and Saturday. Um, whereas the sketch team is like Tuesday through Saturday. Uh, where <laughs> they were like fucking losing their minds. Yeah, but like just caffeine injected yeah yeah, yeah for sure for sure it, okay cool. but it definitely wasn't it definitely wasn't like fueled by coke and and all that kind of stuff you know no yeah. one was going crazy in, in in their writer's offices or anything of the sort it's more or less just like everyone's like oh shit we got a lot of work to do okay um, let's just fucking do it and it's you know it's a it's an institution that's been around for 40 plus years because yeah. of uh or in spite of how it's run um and, and it's obviously uh, done great, and I think uh, it remains the benchmark for every show there is. Pretty much, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. They've had so many crazy names on that show. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just, yeah. even the the names that aren't names are just like insanely talented individuals, and uh, I'm always uh, in awe of that. You know, of that program. You know, that what people don't realize is that's a brand new show that's written in six days, that's 90 minutes long. Yeah. From zero to everything you see has been done in six days. It's, yeah, Keenan Thompson has a, has a podcast. He's been talking about like when, when Bozmick died, um, he was like, I want to write a book called Six Days because yeah. it's everything I've done with every guest star that's come on there. And every show has been in six days. So it's six astounding. days. It's astounding. It's- it's insane the amount of work that goes into it that crew is like the set design crew and 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 i very rarely worked with them because i was on the update side but like right. the set design crew and just seeing it at the superficial level just been god damn these motherfuckers made that in six days not even you know like wednesday night is read through yeah um table read and so wednesday night the set design crew and the costume design crew and all that they that's when they start working jeez and okay. so they do all that in fucking four days and everyone's just like, oh, that shit is terrible. It's like, bro, you have no idea <laughs> the amount of work that goes into this shit that you think you have any ability to execute. Uh, and that's, a, that's from like an angry perspective, but from like an honest and, and happy perspective, like, yo, these guys put in a ton of fucking work and it's incredible that they do that. And it shows, I think the show has been around. I don't know anyone that's been doing anything for 45 years and remained that good no yeah. one you can't name a single person lauren's a legend when it comes to yeah. stuff like that lauren's yeah. is ridiculous um yeah. any sketch that you like remember from that time that you were like to talk about uh or were part of writing uh, i mean so i mean I, again like i wrote on the update team so we were just writing oh, right, for the show, 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 show. sorry yeah. yeah yeah um i think i think we did a lavar uh ball sketch Lavar, I think we did a Lavar uh, Ball one, and I, I definitely remember. I think we did Big Poppy too. I'm not sure if we did Big Poppy, but we definitely did Lavar, and uh, that was. I remember just like getting keen in to laugh at something that I wrote was, you know, a highlight of my life. Uh, you probably grew uh, up watching him on Nick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hell you yeah. Know, uh, Same here. Keenan and Charles Barkley were the only two people I were like super I was super geeked out to meet. And Keenan was like the nicest guy immediately, as was Charles. But Keenan, like he he somehow luckily like 
the episode that my parents came to, like we were going towards the elevator and, and Keenan was going to an elevator too. And like my, my, I was like, mom, dad, that's Keenan. They're like, oh, they rec- he was like the only guy they recognized. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Yeah. Cause I grew up watching them. So it was nuts for them to meet. And that was like the highlight of my, oh man, uh, that SNL time was just like, man, my parents met Keenan Thompson, <laughs> you know, that, was cool. <laughs> that that's awesome. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, trying to think where to go from here um when you're doing stand-up uh are there any have you performed in the midwest and are, and are there any jokes that this is one that lance wrote are there any jokes or subjects that you cover seem to go really well in the midwest i know we're kind of pivoting a little bit well yeah i mean i've done a few shows in midwest here and there like i, I think i my most memorable one was in tulsa oklahoma in like april 2019 was it yeah, probably with April. Two th- it was awesome. I mean, oh, cool. you know, it was a one-nighter awesome. show in Tulsa, and uh, uh, Tulsa is like a liberal place for the most part. Um, at least the city is. Okay. Uh, Oklahoma, I think, is is pretty red, but yeah. uh, Tulsa was actually um, over. Like the crowd itself was surprisingly like liberal, and the, and it was a lot of Indian people. Because, oh. you know, they all own the motels and hotels there. And this, this is true. a stereotype, but it's true. It's 100% true. And so they, the mad of them came out. Um, and it was just like, I think my expectations were low, but they even if they were high, they would have been blown away because the crowds were great. Uh, that crowd was great. People loved it. Um, and, and, you know, I don't adjust my material necessarily for the crowds. It's like I've... I'm pretty confident that my material would work with whoever, okay. regardless of what side of the political spectrum you're on. You might not appreciate uh, what I'm saying, but you will not deny that it's funny. You know what I mean? Like it, it, you might not like what I have to say about Donald Trump, but you will not deny that it's funny. Yeah. Um, and that's really like, that's all that really matters to me. And, and, and sure. My, my experience is, is limited in the sense that, you know, I've done Tulsa, I've done a few shows in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I did comedy on state when I opened for Aziz there, which is in uh, Wisconsin. I don't know if that counts as Midwest or not, but eh, for today it uh, does. Uh, and then Chicago I've done, but you know, all those places, like they've been fun. I haven't really tailored my stuff one way or the other. It's just been like, all right, if you laugh, you laugh. If not, okay. It's not for you, but uh, for it's the most part, people have been receptive, you know? Cool. Uh, so I actually discovered you during the, during the shutdown when the pandemic started and nice. yeah, it was, it was great. Uh, I actually showed a couple of clips to my parents. They were, they loved it. Oh, and, you. uh, yeah, no problem. Uh, how has the pandemic affected your career? Like overall, uh, it's, it's a it's, big question. I know, but it's a, it's a hard thing to say. It's been great. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, fantastic. I don't, I don't know necessarily like it's impossible to say what would have happened or yeah. what wouldn't have happened had pandemic not happened. You know what I mean? I agree. Um, yeah. I do know that while up to lockdown, I felt like my standup was really coming into its own. Okay. Like I felt like, you know, all the stuff I did from like after I put my hour, after I recorded my hour in August of 2019 mm-hmm. till around March 15th, 2020, uh, 2020 until March 16, 2020, like yeah. 
I've really felt like, you know, I was hit, I, I'd hit, so to speak, another gear in my standup. Um, and that I was talking about things in a way that was fun and very authentic to me. And I was saying things that no one else was saying and having opinions that no one else was saying um, and, and still being funny about it. And then once, so once, once that shutdown happened, I was like, oh shit, like there goes that momentum that I was really starting to feel. Yeah. I put my hour out that I recorded in, in August of 2019. Like I said, I had shopped it around to like HBO and HBO said no. And I said, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to put it out um, because I'm not going to wait for someone to, to tell me that's good or not. Right. Um, Cause I thought it was fucking fantastic. And so when I put that out uh, for like a month or so, it got a little bit of traction here and there. And then for some reason in mid April, it just like went, uh, uh, through the roof and I kind of like started doing really well. It's got like 800 something thousand views now, which is crazy to me, but, Dope. Awesome. um, you know, and, and that has definitely impacted a lot of my other stuff. You know, like uh, I decided to, uh, put a lot more clips on and, and, and really pursue the, the model of like self-distribution and, and, that's kind of worked itself out in the sense that people know who I am. I, I recorded a, a new like mixtape in DC um, in, in October and that all the people that came to those shows were just because of YouTube. And so in that sense, it's definitely been a positive. Uh, it's been negative in that, you know, I haven't been able to get up as much. Um, I've only done stand up maybe like 15, 20 times this year, which is, yeah. you know, the 15, 20 times is normally like two weeks. Right. Um, but now it's like, you know, 20 times in a year is crazy. It feels like almost restarting, but, Jeez. um, beyond that, you know, it, this opportunity to make zoo idiots would have never come up, uh, right. about had to that. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah ha, ha, would have never come about had, um, uh, lockdown never happened. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been great. Uh, I know, I know, I know people have been sick and it's, it's, uh, I got sick and that's why I heard about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was I, luckily, you know, knock on wood, I was only sick for like two or three days and my wife was only sick for uh, a week or so, but, Good stuff. Yeah. um, uh, I know it's like tragic and stuff, but I've been trying to make the best of the situation and, and really just enhance skill sets that I wouldn't be able to enhance if I were going on stage all the time, you know, like writing and, and, uh, really just writing and, and reading and getting better at the things that are intangible when it comes to being better, uh, being a better standup. Like I said, you know, going back to enhancing the performance skill sets. Right. Um, the craft, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, had lockdown never happened, this opportunity to make zoo idiots would have never come about and I would have never been a, a, a adapt or never implemented the range of voice ability that I've gained from making zoo idiots and you know the other stuff that goes into to making a cartoon i would never have been able to pick up those skills or enhance those skills had quarantine never happened so right uh, i'm grateful for coronavirus there you go <laughs> corona made us proud um, yes sir yes sir taught us a lot of things i mean i started this this podcast because of it too just to mm -hmm. survive um yeah yeah uh so you've actually answered a lot of my questions um but I will say, what's it like to like to voice? A, I mean, you you alluded to this already, but mm -hmm. uh, the tiger that you that you voice has the best porn star name I've ever heard, Fang Diesel. Fang Diesel, <laughs> um, who's both psychopathic and egotistic at the same uh -huh. time. Although I've uh -huh. heard that they're pretty interchangeable. Uh -huh. I love the Meryl Streep joke that you threw in at the, near the end. <laughs> <of the show. laughs> I, 
that was, <laughs> and then like coupled it with a Mike Tyson reference as well. Thank um, you. Is it fun? I mean, this is just a like me. Like, is it fun voicing a tiger? Like, is it? Fun I mean, it was. Like, I mean, look. Like, yeah. You know, backstory on Zoo Idiots, real quick. Please, you know, yeah. April April twenty twenty. Uh, I get hit up by a friend I met two years ago uh, while on the trip. And yeah. He's an engineer, and he hits me up and says, "Hey, you know, quarantine's happened." Uh, we, he read an article about dolphins appearing in the Venice Canal. I heard and, about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was because humans had been locked away so long that all the stuff we were doing to adversely impact the environment had sort of ceased or, or lessened, diminished. Right. right, and, right. You know, to the point where, you know, you could see the mountain, the Himalaya mountains from India. Uh, and, and I remember seeing that thinking, God damn, yeah, humans are really trash if, if we're yeah. putting up so much pollution that California mountains. Yeah. yeah. California sky was clear. Like, yeah, it hadn't been in decades. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, my friend Jeremy saw that article and, and him and uh, three of his friends had put together this thing called a learning group where they want to learn about new things and learn about uh, new processes. And they also collectively thought, how can we positively impact climate change um, after having seen these articles and how animals must be feeling in now that humans have quote unquote disappeared. Yeah. And so he hit me up and said, Hey, do you know any comedy writers that would be interested in putting together a bunch of Twitter accounts and have animals talking to each other about, you know, how the quarantine has affected them. And I said, no, that sounds pretty, uh, that sounds like a low return, high involvement kind of thing. And I, I, I didn't think I didn't, I know I wouldn't want to do it. Sure. Um, let alone me sending it out to a bunch of other friends. Hey, you guys interested in this and that? Sounds like a very and, coordinated attack. So it's like too. Yeah, yeah, and, I, yeah. and I was like, uh, no. Um, but it sparked an idea in my head. I was like, maybe we can do something animated. An animated idea would be interesting. So I hit up Mookie, uh, and Mookie's like a comedy writing savant um, who's like study television and character development like incessantly. Okay. Uh, since he was like five. And, and yeah, I mean, he's just like, he just knows so much about TV um, and the development process and the writing mm -hmm. process. Um, and so I hit him up and we've worked together on a bunch of stuff before. So it wasn't like, hey, uh, it's good to hear from you. No, it's just like, yo, let's, let's do this thing. So cool. we, we thought of this idea about animals in a zoo trapped in quarantine uh, as an analog for humanity. And right. we pitched this idea to this team. And this team is Jeremy, who's an engineer. Jeff, who is a CEO-level banker in Brazil. Uh, okay. Uh, Ahmad, who runs a $2 billion hedge fund in London. And Andy, who's a venture capitalist in London. And so, you know, a team of, like, very sophisticated, very smart guys who just had no idea what went into making a TV show or, or, or anything of that matter. So we pitched them this idea. And they were like, yes, let's do it. They gave us a budget. Uh, we went back and forth on all that. We developed these characters uh, with their input and we created, you know, after a billion iterations, this pilot, uh, you know, it took, you know, from April until when we put it out, like tons of work to do that. Yeah. And so the voice process, you know, probably came, I want to say, July, August, September, like that was 
learning how to voice, understanding the character, finding it within me, learning how to act, what goes into acting, studying that shit. And that process was grueling, but I look back at it as very formative in that the stuff I'll never forget uh, how to do. Um, And now I can slip into the Fang voice whenever I want uh, after listening to Fang a little bit. But uh, that was so much fun to do. Once I, once it clicked, like the first week or so was brutal because I was like bad. Uh, I was terrible Um, to the point where I was like, I would, I biked to Mookie's like all the time because he lives like 30 minutes from me. But I remember just bike rides back from Mookie thinking, God damn, this shit is, I'm fucking, I'm awful. Um, I will never act. I can't voice shit. And then something clicked where it was just like, I got it. And then I was in the booth. And uh, uh, once you, once you get to the level of you can embody the character fully, um, then you, you're, then you're ready to record. And that's, that's kind of, that was so much fun. Like the Meryl Streep line, I remember just kind of ad-libbing. Um, and then uh, we had, you know, built this huge backstory for Fang about, you know, his past uh, as like a, a, a tiger that had been involved in every major Hollywood production and he had fallen off a cliff um, yeah. for, for reasons yet to be revealed. He's basically like the Forrest Gump of tigers. He's done everything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but, you know, evil. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, like uh, evil Forrest Gump. So, yeah. um, and that's, you know, on the superficially... Uh, that's what the show is about, you know, these animals trapped in quarantine. But really, like, we wanted, we want to talk about climate change, and we want to talk about capitalism for socialism. And, and there's a lot of subtext within the show that, you know, obviously, it's not subtext, as I'm telling you. But yeah, it is if you watch that show, if you watch the idiots with that in mind, and you watch it thinking, oh, shit, these guys are heavily influenced by Rick and Morty and the Simpsons and so. South Park, like, yeah, that's what our barometer was you know like we i think zoo idiots is probably better than 90 percent of the cartoons out there right now it's just a fantastic piece of art granted the pilot has its flaws and uh but no pilot pilot, what's that it's the pilot it's It's a pilot no flaw no pilot is unflawed but oh completely what we've done i think is created something that it, it will stand the test of time it's just a piece of art and you know i'll look back at it five years from now god damn i did that in six seven months with four people, you know, uh, uh, the four people being myself, Mookie, Matt Weir, who's our producer, and right. Rob Lynch, who's our animator, like, the four of us did that whole fucking thing, you know, and the guys, the, the Penguin partners, the four guys that I mentioned earlier, like, right. they had a lot of input, and, and obviously, they were the resources behind the whole thing, but when it came to the production side of things, we were um, – day in day out 60 70 80 hour weeks just like for zero like almost no money at least for me matt and mookie uh like maybe a dollar to an hour probably mookie made less because he did all the sound work and all the editing um uh uh, on an hourly basis like he made nothing but like that took so much work and so much dedication that uh it's the only thing i want to talk about ever for the rest of you know, the, the, the year and next six months, it's just like how much work went into it and how proud I am of what we've done. And we've got, what is it? The 17th, we've got, you know, six or seven more episodes to go and they'll come out as, as we can put them out because again, it's like four people, but right. it's a labor of love at this point. It's just like, what a thing, what, a, what we want to see it through. Cause it's what an incredible thing we've made. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It's really cool to hear your passion for it too. No, I mean, I fucking love that shit. Yeah. Uh, 
what kind of like cartoons did you like? You mentioned Rick and Morty. What kind of cartoons did you like growing up or now? Simpsons was Simpsons was the shit that I watched. Like that was, yes. was really it. Like yeah. I was never obsessed with like Adult Swim or anything of the sort. Like sure. obviously I, I probably watched Pokemon here and there and like there Dragon go. Ball Z and all that. But there you go. The Simpsons was good stuff. The show. Yeah. Um, and I remember you know tuning in Sundays and be like God and like. I watch it now. Like I, I can't believe I missed those. This it's the most joke dense show there is. Hundred uh, percent. And South Park to a lesser extent uh, in terms of what I watched, and uh, uh, um, that's really it. If I if I think long and hard, I'm sure there's a few others, but sure. you know, The Simpsons was the the bar for me. And Rick and Morty obviously came out recently, so right. I've been yeah. watching a lot of Rick and Morty, but. That was really it, you know? And I think if you watch Zoo Idiots, you'll, you'll get the vibe of this people watched The Simpsons and they watched South Park and they watched uh, Rick and Morty and that, that's the barometer we were going for and I, I hope we got anywhere near it, you know? I definitely got the Rick and Morty vibe just from like the way it was drawn too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Rob is a, yeah. a world-class animator. Yeah. Um, who voices the, the Penguin leader, by the way? Which the El Pengo or Priyanka? Priyanka, yeah. Priyanka is voiced by uh, Phoebe Tires, who okay. I'm, I'm not sure if you ever watched Search Party, but she's in that. Okay. Um, she's fantastic and, and crushes it. Uh, she really she's does. Got, yeah. She's got such an interesting range of voice, and what she brings to the character, we, Mookie and I would have never imagined. Um, she does such a good job. And then Janet. Is vo- the hippo is voiced by Karen Feehan, who's a very funny stand-up in her own right. Uh, the the rhino and and monk, the orangutan, are both mm-hmm. both voiced by Mookie. I voiced the bee. Uh, right, I heard about that. Yeah, I, vo- I voiced the I voiced the ass-eating bee. Um, <laughs> and then uh, our good friend Matt Richards, who's a, a fantastic comic and and actor, um, and also a host of uh hq trivia on that app um okay. matt richards he voices uh kevin the the, the blue bird parrot yes that dude's and hilarious. uh matt weir the the last voice in the show pengo el pengo the 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 old revolutionary who who has his moment in season episode two is yes. voiced by matt weir our producer okay good good i want to see more of him because like he's a che guevara like Kind of archetype. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, episode yeah. two is just all about Pengo, and it's fucking incredible. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, doo, doo, doo. yeah. Uh, that's pretty much all the questions I have for you. I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, so you mentioned you, you were like a. I'm just curious. You mentioned like <clears throat> mentioned like Dragon Ball Z and. A couple other shows back when you were a kid. You what, do you catch any? Do you play any video games or like anime and stuff like that? No, I mean comic, comic my time is so uh, focused on just comedy in general. Like I, I wish I had time to do all the the fun shit that I want to do. But now <laughs> all the fun sh- I try to make all the fun shit that I want to do somehow involved in comedy. You know, like yeah. if I, if I'm working out, it's because it enhances the brain. If I'm reading, it's because it enhances you know connections in the brain. And sure, if I'm eating something, it's because it's good for me. So that means it'd be good for comedy. Like that's all I'm thinking about right now. You know, it's like how do I get better at comedy? What can everything I'm doing? I'm just trying to get better at comedy in one way or the other. And so like if I'm watching something, 
it's even with the intent of like uh uh applying what i'm like uh, applying what i've learned about television seeing it in the show and then being like, okay these are this is how the show has taken this and applied it or twisted it and how can i implement the same thing in my comedy whether it be my stand-up or my um uh, script writing and i haven't watched i haven't watched any stand-up in so long i've watched like five or ten minutes here and there but beyond that uh i haven't seen shit i mean i watched dave's stuff that just came out but beyond course, that like right. Uh, nothing. I'll probably go watch Andrew shit today, uh, just to support a friend, but for sure. Yeah. Um, beyond that, like, and like with Dragon Ball Z, it was like very cursory, you know, it's just right, cause yeah. it was on. I never like, I never got into it or anything of the sort. Um, totally. Totally. Yeah. But yeah. So what you're trying to say is that you're legit as fuck about how you train. <laughs> I'm just trying, I'm just trying, you know, I, I, ha- I can say with confidence that this is the, le- this year and last year, like, uh, I mean, yeah, this year, last year and the next year, like I will be, you know, laser focused on, on enhancing every skill set I can to get better at comedy. Um, I definitely haven't been, uh, uh, before that, uh, I've definitely been focused, but not with the same sort of gumption that I have now, you know, and that's probably a function of the fact that I'm getting older and that I want to accomplish a lot before I go. And that, you know, Kobe died and I was just like, fuck man, this motherfucker, he did everything yeah and he all he did was just try to get better and i gotta do the same i admire that man that's awesome that's dope thank you man yeah of course uh it looks like it's pretty much all the time we got today um please could you like plug zoo idiots and tell us where we can watch it and everything yeah please i mean thank you for having me zoo idiots is at zooidiots.com it's Sound it's spelled exactly how it sounds, zooidiots.com. It'll lead you directly to the pilot. Um, watch it, like it, comment on it. I think it's a fantastic piece of art, and uh, uh, I hope we can get to bring you more. You know, I agree. And if you ever come down to St. Louis, you know, man, please let us know for sure, man. Thank you guys. Uh, th- uh tell Lance I said thank you for having me. Uh, I thank will. you, Canal, for having me. No problem. Uh, let me know when this comes out. Yeah, I will. I'll give uh, give you a heads up and everything. What, so. Is it going to be on Spotify and all that? It's going to be on, it's going to be everywhere you get podcasts. Okay, cool, awesome. And man. we're gonna probably throw this on YouTube too. So awesome, man. Thank you very much. Cool, no problem. And uh, have a great day, man. All right, you too, brother. Thank you, man. Take care of yourself. You too. Hey, fan peeps! Thanks for joining. And as always, we appreciate any feedback. You can follow us on our Facebook page, They Need a Hobby, and also at TNAH Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Hopefully, one day we'll find a hobby and maybe even be one of the cool kids. Peace. Peace.